Hello and welcome to the Holyrood Briefing. I'm Jamie Park, a student currently studying digital media at the University of Stirling. My co-host today is Mark Doran, a political campaigner and media officer for one of Scotland's main political parties. Today we discuss the Scottish National Party, the largest party in Holyrood with a total of 64 seats. The SNP are led by First Minister Nicola Sturgeon and are also the party of government in Scotland. Off the back of the 2021 Scottish election, we sit down and discuss the recent happenings with Scotland and the SNP. We'll talk about the SNP today for the first part of this series. So obviously we've just come out of the Scottish elections where the SNP won 64 seats, which is not quite enough for a majority. One short the constituency results, Mark, I think you have to hand. It's just that they got 47.7% of the vote. The SNP got 47.7% of the vote. Um, was that the constituency one? Uh, yeah, it was. For the regional? Uh, I think 40%, but I don't know. <laughs> right, so roughly around about. So that's obviously under 50%, and there is arguments <laughs> at the moment around the... Well, of course, the SNP stood on a manifesto pledge to have another independence referendum, although opposition party, the Scottish Conservatives, about 31 seats at the election, claim that as the SNP don't have a majority, they therefore don't have a mandate to hold any second independence referendum. So in terms of the results of the 64 seats, the SNP made two gains, constituency gains, in that right? Yes, they gained uh, Edinburgh Central and Air, uh, East Lothian as well. So Air was obviously taken by the SNP by just 100 votes and uh, Edinburgh Central, which was Ruth Davidson's seat, was taken by Angus Robertson, who was Westminster. Yeah, he was there at Westminster. Yeah, Westminster Party leader. Yeah, some time ago after losing his seat to the Scottish Conservatives' current leader, Douglas Ross. So Angus <laughs> Robertson is in the cabinet. He's the Constitution and uh, Foreign Affairs Secretary, I believe. And so his job is obviously to do with the issues surrounding Brexit, the European Union, um, independence and, you know, other constitutional, although reserved to Westminster, the SNP, the Scottish Government have. Yes, it's it's raised a lot of questions from people. What exactly is his job, given he has no authority on an international scale? It's a bit of a mystery how he's going to use his position. Yes, that's interesting. We had Alan Smith recently the other day about the Palestine and Israel conflict. He um, waded into the issue, although Alan Smith isn't a member of the Scottish government nor a member of the UK government to add. He is, of course, the MP for Stirling. And so obviously that's going to be a big issue surrounding the next parliamentary term, although there seems to be some commitment to not hold any second independence referendum until halfway through, so um, until at least 2023. Yeah, uh, it said in the in the Sunday Times today that there was quite a strong feeling in, in the SNP camp that there won't be another referendum until after the next uh, UK general election. So that seems to have become a reality for them in the past few weeks. Yeah, and I would say that that's quite likely. The way that it's going at the moment, while looking at simply the trends you have, of course, yes, was had a considerable lead for quite some time. It was all the way up to 8%, was the highest I think it's ever been. And then in recent weeks, you've had no retake lead by 6 percentage points. And that seems to have been the consistent trend. So no seems to be back up. 
on the increase. Meanwhile, yes, seems to be on the decrease, although polling situation at the moment is not much change from what it was the results of the 2014 referendum. Yeah, I, I think the reason for the increase over, over the past year, it, it kind of correlates with Nicola Sturgeon's leadership. She was perceived to be doing very well. She was obviously very present on her TV screens every day, and that's probably why we saw a spike in support. But um, ever since the past few months, she's been on her screens less frequently, and the content that she's been giving out is much more political. It's obviously election, the election campaign. So people have kind of gone back to their, their tribal camps since then. Yes, well, that seems to be the general trend people have picked up on is that the incumbent governments, as, as was the case in Wales, obviously Labour have formed a government in Wales and the SNP have been re-elected to government in Scotland with another minority government and of course you had the council elections in England as well, the Conservatives doing quite well. Of course all three parties are currently the serving government of each respect nation so i would say that that has a considerable um influence it's the way that people voted yeah and um, it, it seems like everyone's kind of been given a pan a pandemic bounce obviously the conservatives did very well in england's local elections mark drakeford was re-elected first minister with an increased number of seats and the same happened in scotland so i think voters of across the uk have generally been impressed by how their governments handled it yeah, and in terms of Nicola Sturgeon's own personal approval ratings, they are uh, considerably higher than other political leaders across the UK. Although in recent weeks before the election were falling. Yeah, I think, I think that's related to um, the discussion of, of independence being back, back in the table. It was much less subtle than it was in, in 2020. So also, most recently, you had a poll that was done, which was about Scottish independence, of course, um, and that it was as the most important issue for fewer than one in five Scots. Yeah, there, there, there's a position where Nicola Sturgeon's party seems to be much more keen on discussing the constitution than the general public. So she's she's in a position where she's kind of in the middle of of, of the of her party and, and the public, and they're squeezing her in, into putting independence uh, at the forefront of her agenda. Well, that seems to be the case where um, constitution issues have been put higher up on the sort of priority table um, of course as part of the new government that's been formed John Sweeney was the former education secretary and um, he's of course been moved from education to COVID recovery and of course there are some interesting to say the least statistics surrounding education of course the previous election Nicola Sturgeon promised it was her Finding mission to close the poverty-related gap. So, anything later than it was. Yeah, and you have um, the pending OECD report, which is as per the SNP's manifesto commitment to be released within the first 100 days. We're none the wiser what the contents of this report are. Yeah, um, I, I was in the last parliamentary term towards the end of it. Parliament voted, I think, three times for the Scottish government, John Swain yeah. specifically, to release the contents of that report and to the state he's still not done so. And so that, that of course, has been pledged to be released. Bear in mind, of course, also have um, instances where this government will have to improve on sort of various results, actually. Um, they had the worst ever science and maths results for um, the year previous OECD report and um, that was the worst on international record had schools as a result falling in world rankings and John Swinney as well pulled Scottish schools out of two global assessments which were had 
the least um, less than impressive result. Uh, yeah, it, I think on the whole, uh, it seems that Scottish education has gone from world class to average. Uh, that's on an international scale, but just inside the UK, I believe Scottish education used to be the best, but there was a report the other day saying it's now the worst in the United, in the UK. So it's, it seems to have uh, taken a real fall over the course of the last 14 years. So that that's, of course, all the, the negatives. And to look at the sort of what is going to change or hopefully will change, they have a target set by 2030, which ensures that students from the 20% most deprived areas will make up 20% of higher education entrance. And of course, pupils at the moment, if you are a pure pupil uh, in Scotland, you are less likely, I think up to 2.5 times less likely to get into university than you would be down south. We have the SNP government as well, who did abolish a university tuition fees. And yeah, um, and as a result, there seems to be more more uh, more people going to university than ever before. Yes, exactly. Which is, of course, another thing to credit them with. You also have um, a focus on vocational subjects, which is, of course, um, subject choices have gone down in uh, recent years. They've decreased, and so have actually the amount of pupils doing modern apprenticeships. So the SNP have committed to at least thirty thousand new places each year and they're also introducing a new back for um, people aged 16 to 24 which of course should help getting pupils into work it, it seems it seems on education what the snp have have to show off is, is promises and there's new promises produced every five years and you can only hope that the, at least some of them come true but as it, as it stands objectively speaking i think I think you've got to say the SNP's record in education is dis- it's disappointing at best. There's definitely been a, a decrease in quality, I would say, anyways, over the past 14 years. And Scottish education was always ranked quite highly. Also, in most recent days, you have had the SNP, of course, in trouble for the drug induced death figures. And of course, today, Betcated with the an article which uh, had the sort of drug-induced deaths per million of population in Scotland had, you know, 315 deaths, and that was compared to the UK overall's 76 deaths, and Italy and France down on nine deaths. So, yeah, and compared to the, the Scandinavian countries that they'd, they'd want to emulate in, in an independent Scotland, uh, Sweden on 81, and they often they often look to Ireland as a model for an independent country there on. 72 so it's quite it's quite clear scotland has a particular epidemic um, yeah. with that kind of issue they it certainly does the snp in their manifesto did pledge again to have 50 million pounds additional funding and um, which hopefully will improve or decrease deaths um so that's something good that it will stay you know more than 250 million over the course of the parliament as well as other um, funding increases for rehab beds as well. In terms of drug statistics and drug figures also, you have Nicholas Sturgeon's constituency, which is the constituency of uh, Glasgow Southside. Her constituency has one of the highest levels of child poverty in Scotland as well. So, you know, the, the SNP's record on health-related issues is one that needs to definitely be improved upon. In, in terms of other more pressing or policies that will be put into place in a few 
months or within the first year of this parliament include, of course, the SNP's commitment to nationalise ScotRail, um, which I think is actually an important policy and a relatively helpful policy at that. Yeah, if you, if you, look, if you look at polls across the UK, um, nationalising railways is an extremely popular policy. I'm sure they did it with that in mind. It's, it's, left, yeah. to seen, it's left to be seen how it will perform once it's been nationalised, but I think, I think yeah. it's a positive step. Uh, I would say that it is definitely something that is popular with the public at the moment. You, of course, have a Bellier which run the franchise at the moment who the SNP awarded the contract to um, originally, but now, you know, after their performance and, you know, a, a multiple other issues to do with strikes and um, treatment of workers, there are ongoing strikes on the railways at the moment which are causing disruption seems to be the case that by taking over and putting public investment into the railways that will alleviate some of the problems and actually sustainable and uh, cost cost effective as well and transferred onto taxpayers and um, will now be sort of you know, built but as a result we should hopefully experience uh, sort of streamlined services and keep our railway usage as well that'll certainly be the hope um but if, if you look at our, our ferry services um an example of uh, Ferguson shipyards in Greenock. There's uh, rotting ferries there. Overall, the SNP's uh, popularity is held up. Uh, an incumbent government they can be re-elected, you know, three times in a row. And um, you know, Alex Salmond had a majority SNP government, which was then, um, you know, seats were lost under Nicola Sturgeon, but they still held up with 63 seats they got last time. And this time, they're on 64. You know, in terms of the SNP's general election performance, it hasn't been too bad either. In 2015, they had, you know, 56 seats in 2017. They did lose quite a few seats, definitely in the double digits, but then most of those were, in fact, regained again in the 2019. I think they got 40, 46 seats most recently. Yeah, I think I think that's strong, strongly linked to the trust the public has for them and pretty much every issue there is there. Their polling on the economy is extremely high, same with education, same with health, which it kind of seems to be in spite of, of their performances. But they've certainly they've got very strong presentation skills that, that, that make them a very strong government in the eyes of, of the public. So overall, after almost 14 years of government, I think it's safe to say that the SNP have done you know, relatively well in terms of public popularity, vote share um, has held up quite considerably, which is very impressive and definitely something to hold them for. In terms of policies, they have had a few standout policies, of course, which are seen to be progressive, beneficial to you know certain sections of society, but equally they have had a fair amount of scandals. I think that's a, a fair and accurate summary. Yeah, over, over the past few few months, especially, there's been a lot of questions around their conduct, her, um, the first minister's conduct, her her staff's conduct. But ultimately, they, they remain very successful. They're after 14 years in government, and they're polling extremely highly. They just won an election by a huge amount. So, yeah, uh, it's less to be seen how they perform over this parliamentary term. But as things stand, I think that they'll be quite content with how they're doing. Well, that's all we have time for today in this podcast. 
Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Briefing and subscribe to our Spotify page so that you don't miss out on the latest and greatest episodes. Many thanks to my co-host Mark Doran, but most importantly of all, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Join us for our next episode where we discuss the Scottish Conservative and Unionist Party. Until next time, cheerio.